one. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Throat Punch Monday with Lynn and Leah, I don't know what I'm about to call myself. Today, we have a very special guest in Aaron. Uh, I'm about to, like, my my heart is palpitating a little bit hearing, about to hear Aaron's story and sharing it with you. Uh, Lynn found Aaron through social media. We can get to that in a second, how they kind of found each other, but I love being able to share these stories because one, we have our females that just don't get recognized enough. And then the fact that we as female veterans deal with a lot of PTSD and don't really seem to have the help that we need. And that is what Aaron, where Aaron comes in. So Aaron, um, started her own nonprofit organization for women veterans, the first in her state of Idaho, which is amazing. She started it the night that she was going to commit suicide from PTSD. So she chose not only life, but helping others that night, which is incredible. Since then, she's worked as a mental health counselor. She's helped 15,000 families across her community. And she has huge goals of putting up statues of female veterans in every state across America. So I'm going to kick it over to Lynn. Aaron, thank you so much for your time today and coming here. I'm so excited to have you and I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. So I just wanted to talk about uh, an article I found actually today on Military Times. So I just posted that on our Facebook page. So by the way, go like our Facebook page, BTT Throat Punch Monday. It's up and running. You'll find it there. Me and Leah is on there. Um, Anyway, the Military Times article is about women being the fastest growing cohort in the veteran community. So we're representing just over 16% now. So before it was like a little, almost 10%. Now we're just over 16%. So we're growing fast. Our community is growing fast. Since the Department of Defense opened all military roles to all members in 2016, there have been many female firsts across the military taking on roles like command leadership roles where Air Force General Lori Robinson became the first female lead to to lead a U.S. military combatant command. And also a Navy um, graduate was a first female graduate for a special warfare combatant So as the population grows, we're learning more and more about the visible and invisible wounds that women are experiencing, including PTSD. So the article said 84% of military women have been deployed to combat zones. And it is a fact that three out of four women in the military have suffered from some sort of MST military sexual trauma and are more likely to experience moderate to severe PTSD. So with the influence, the influx of women, um, it means more women veterans need more adequate support and access to treatment. And that's why I'm so happy that I met Erin on social media and she told me about her um, nonprofit organization that she started. Leah. Thank you. Sorry, I have to unmute. So thank you, Lynn, for those statistics. It's it's really nice to be able to see or hear the numbers and to know because I feel like, you know, I mean, I'm kind of far removed at this point, but we 
we forget how many of us there are. And especially with all of the leaps and bounds that women have made in the military. So it's good to know that. And Erin, let's, let's take it over to you and just share, share about your time and, you know, what led you to this nonprofit and let's hear about your goals. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi. So um, as far so a little bit about me, um, I actually served. So I joined in 2000. Um, I had two kids when I had joined. And so I joined in hopes of, you know, providing a stable life for them. And, and when I when I got there, I was just I was so gung ho. I really, I really wanted to do this. And now I had come from a pretty uh, tough background. Um, I had, you know, I grew up in kind of toxic environments and stuff. And so I was, I was pretty used to that, you know, especially when I first joined, I was like, oh, okay, this is just like home, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't very, you know, it didn't take me very long to realize that I had, this was the time for me to shine. I could, um, I could be my best and do my best and I could be smart. And that was, and that was a good thing. Um, and so that's what I did. I just, I just hit the ground running. And one night I, so actually it was one day we were, we were shooting and I had um, done really well. Like they were like, Oh man, she can, she can aim, she can shoot. <laughs> and I was really proud of myself. There wasn't a whole lot of things, you know, growing up that I was really proud of myself for. So this was, this was a pretty big deal for me. Um, and some drill sergeants of mine, um, and some other, they, they weren't drill sergeants. They were just more support. And um, they were like, Hey, let's, let's go out and let's celebrate. You know, don't tell anybody. We're only taking the people who, who did their best today, like, we're going to go party. And I was like, dude, yeah, basic training. And I'm getting to go and party with these big boys because I'm cool. Yeah, let's go. Um, wasn't any alcohol involved. It was just, we were going to McDonald's. That was the treat, like, cool. Um, and that's when we actually never made it off of base. Um, we never made it to McDonald's. We never made it off base. Um, that was when the assault for me occurred. Um, I had multiple perpetrators. I was the only victim. Um, and that when I finally was able to make it back to, um, my unit, I was like, Hey, I need to go to the hospital. There's clearly something wrong with me. Um, went up to the hospital and they, you know, they, they started doing all the tests. They ended up giving me a whole bunch of medication. I was, was pretty injured. Um, and so they, they kept me there for a couple days. And when I eventually went back to my unit, I thought, okay, you know, we're going to, we're going to get through this. We're going to have an investigation. We're going to, you know, thinking that all these people were going to protect me because in the hospital, that's what it appeared to me was that people were going to protect me. Um, and I soon learned that that was not the case. Um, my whole unit had turned against me. My brothers, my sisters, everybody had turned against me. Um, drill sergeants, they would not let me, they would not let me continue to do things with my unit. Um, basically, I just sat by myself for a while. And then 
I worked with CID for, for quite a bit too. And they, you know, no, no, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. You know, you're changing your story, Aaron. That's not, that's not what you said. That's not, um, it just became this, everybody, there, there was never the same person that I talked to twice during my investigation, um, during the investigation, it was always a different person. Um, and then, um, because I kept saying, you know, this is what happened to me. This is what happened to me because it did. Um, they took me from my unit and they, they put me in this building and I, I don't know exactly what kind of building it was. It had a bathroom, had, had some beds. It was just a one story building. Um, it wasn't very big. I mean, it was probably the size of like a master bedroom. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't very big in this building. They kept me there for days, for days. They kept me there. And, um, kept asking me, you know, they, they'd bring me food. They wouldn't let me go get food, but they were bring me food. And they kept asking me, they said, are you going to tell us the truth? Are you going to tell us the truth? Are you going to tell us the truth? Are you going to, are you going to tell us what really happened? So they're kind of and I finally realized that if I didn't give them the story that they wanted to hear that I had lied and I made it all up, um, I wasn't getting out of there. I wasn't going home. I wasn't getting out of there. Um, so subsequently, yeah. Well, and they even, they even brought up my, um, all the paperwork when I joined and they had done some digging in this time. And so I lied. I got in the military. I had said that I'd never had depression issues because technically I didn't, I had postpartum depression. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that I was being treated for at the time. It was postpartum depression. They had found that they had, they had found that record that I had had postpartum depression. And so they, threatened me with prison. They said, you lied to get in the military. We are going to put you in prison. Here's, we're, we're, we're going to fine you thousands of dollars. We're going to put you in prison. You can either walk away quietly or you can continue this. And so I did. I walked away quietly. I did whatever it was that they told me to do. I had two kids. I didn't want to go to prison. Um, so... I left, I left Fort Leonard Wood, um, went home, could tell her with my tail between my legs. And that was when my battles really began. Um, I very rarely shared that I was in the military because I didn't want to have to explain it to people. Um, I moved every six months from there on after. I would always find a reason why we had to move. Um, I was terrified of these people. I was terrified they were going to come find me. I was terrified that if I had said anything. It was just, it was constant fear. It was a constant fear of what's going to happen to me next. What's going to happen to my daughter. Cause I had a daughter and a son. And I, you know, what's going to happen to my daughter. Um, eventually I ended up losing custody of my kids. Um, I, and it wasn't even that I fought. It was that my kids were safer if they weren't with me. So I allowed them to go and live with their dad and be raised by their dad. No, I still saw them, but I didn't have them for very many nights because I thought, well, what if, what if something happens to my daughter? What if somebody breaks in and I can't protect her? It, it was just this constant state of hypervigilance that I lived in. Um, and this went on for 15 years. Um, I became an addict. I um, attempted suicide more than on more than one occasion. I could not keep a job down for more than a month. I think the longest job I had after the military was maybe three weeks um, just could not get my crap together for anything. Um, 
And then just one night I had had enough. I had had two more kids after this and um, I ended up losing custody of them. And I just had enough. I, I said, I'm done. I can't, I can't keep fighting these battles anymore. And I was, I was going to take my life that night. Um, I had a pistol sitting next to me on the arm of the chair and I was going to take my life that night. And my phone, my stupid phone kept, kept going off. I kept on, on the left. I had laid my phone on the, on the other side of me and it just kept going off. And I was like, what the, what the heck is going on? And it was this girl that I knew that was going to sound really stupid. It was this girl that I knew who had found these abandoned cats and she had started this Facebook page for these abandoned cats. And I was like, who cares? Who cares about your stupid cats right now? Um, and I started getting pissed off. And I was like, cats, like you're, you're making this big deal about these abandoned cats and people are dying and people are suffering and I'm suffering. And do you care about humans? Do you care about me? You know, like just going through all these things and, so when the light bulb went on and I thought, well, screw you and screw your cats. So I started a Facebook group and I named it Paying It Forward Across, across the Treasure Valley. So I started this Facebook group um, and I felt really good. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go save people. I'm going to go help people and some of these stupid cats and watch this Amy, because her name was Amy, you know, uh, I'm like, we're we're going to save orphan humans because that's what we need right now. That's what I need right now. Um, and this was, this was actually in um, 2014, 2015. I, I can't think of the time frame, but this turned into something pretty big. Sorry. Um, started helping all these people in our community. I got my friends involved. And the first time since I had gone off active duty, I had purpose. I had a purpose that was bigger than myself. Um, which I don't know if you guys want to chime in because there's more, but um, that's that's what really started my healing journey. And when I started getting better um, in my own life and started taking control over my own life, it it didn't the struggles didn't end um, because I had I had not come to terms with what had happened to me yet. But that's that's where it began. Um, so. Fast forward a year and I started uh, about a year or two and I started to go a little bit downhill again. Um, and once again, I was back to, I'm going to take my life. You know, I'm still struggling. Yes, this is great. Yes. I'm helping a lot of people, but I'm, I'm a, in, in my mind, I was still a piece of crap. I was still this broken individual who was never going to do anything. And one night, here we are again, and it all just came flooding out. And I, I was married at the time, uh, Mike's husband, um, he was a Marine. And I just started just spewing all of this stuff to him. And he just kind of, it's like, you were in the military? Like, what? <laughs> um, not a whole lot of people had known up until that point that I was in the military and showed him my medical records, gave him everything that I had. And, it was all, that was all a little blur. Um, but I do know that the next day I ended up at the VA. Um, and that was when it all had come out, what had happened to me. And within 
I think within two months of me stepping foot in the VA, handing them over all my records, um, getting in with an MST coordinator and file it, doing, doing my, um, see my initial CMP. It, it was two months before they had said, Oh my gosh. And they had rated me 70% PTSD. So, yeah. And then, and then just things, things just continued. Um, after that, I started getting better. Oh my God. You know, I joined this group at the VA for other women veterans who had been through the same situation as me started getting better. I started, start, I used my, um, I got chapter 31 benefits. I started going back to school. Um, and then I started, I wanted to wean myself from the VA. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to have this identity of an injured veteran. I, yes, that's what I, yes, that's, that's a part of what I am. It's a part of who I am, but I wanted something more than just what was offered at the VA. I wanted to go and meet my peers outside of the VA. I wanted to go be involved in the veteran community. You know, being a veteran was all new to me. So I wanted to expand and explore. And what I found was everything was all these nonprofits and all of these organizations. It was all about the cover of the Times Magazine of this combat veteran missing a limb. Now, please do not get me wrong. Those, those men and women are incredibly important. They have sacrificed so much for us. Um, I cannot give them enough credit. But on the same token, I am an injured veteran. I am a female veteran. I have significant PTSD. And I'm out in my community and there was nothing for me. There was nothing. I didn't fit in with combat vets. I didn't fit in with, with veterans who had at least been deployed overseas or who had been in for a long time and who weren't National Guard. I mean, there was all these things where I just could not. And so it, it occurred to me, well, dang it, Aaron, you know how to start a nonprofit. You know what you're doing. This is what you've got to do. So I did. <laughs> I did. And it, and it took some time. We've had our shares of ups and downs. We've had our shares, our share of bullies. Um, we've got a, we've got a, <laughs> we've got a lot of bullies in this state. Um, this is, this is Idaho. So there's a lot of people who do not think that women should serve. Um, we should be in the kitchen making dinner <laughs> um, and we're not. So, but, um, and, and there's a lot of things there's, I don't know if you guys know who Aaron Smith is. Um, Aaron Smith was the first female tanker and she is from, she, she was from here. Um, sadly, she actually passed away in 2017, but um, yeah, she, she's one of our first female tankers. Like I has got some pretty badass female veterans here and so why not? Why not start this organization for women and give us a place to join our community, to have people recognize us, to have, it's not for the recognition, we, we know that, but it's to acknowledge that we're here and that we have these things that we need. Absolutely. I'll go ahead, Lynn. No, I, I was just going to say, that's amazing. Um, I don't have my microphone today, so I don't have all my fancy equipment, but um, that is a great story. So um, from 
I wanted to ask a question. So from the time that you got out to when your husband didn't know that you even were in the military, which is wild, you, you know, because I mean, you're married and they don't know. So from that time where he found out, how long was that did that time pass that you dealt with all these demons alone? 15 so, years. 15 years. Okay. Yeah, that's a long time. And that's just amazing that you were able to get that help. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, today, I, um, I have a master's degree. Um, I'm going I'm going for my master's degree in drug and alcohol counseling. Um, I graduated with my bachelor's using my chapter 31 benefits. Um, I work um, constantly. I work with um, people who have drug and alcohol addictions. And I also volunteer in our community for, of course, the paying it forward. Um, I actually just recently stepped down from my organization that I started. It's It feels really weird. August 31st is actually my last day on the board. It's a little bittersweet. Um, I created this organization and these amazing, wonderful women have taken over and they are just turning it into this big, incredible thing. They're taking it way bigger than I could have ever imagined. So seeing that is pretty beautiful. Um, so now I just get to enjoy the membership of it for a while, <laughs> um, which is great because I need it. Um, I've got, you know, it, it's just been, it's just been a great journey since then. A lot of healing, a lot of friendships, a lot of learning about myself. Um, uh, I've been going to the vet center. I go to the vet center once a month now for counseling. And I don't know if anybody's ever been to a vet center, but they're pretty phenomenal. Um, but yeah, so life has actually been really good since coming out, <laughs> since coming out and saying, I'm, I'm a veteran. This is what happened to me. Can you tell us more about your organization and your nonprofit and what exactly um, do you do to help women veterans? Like if I was a woman veteran in need, how would I get a hold of you guys and, and what would you guys do for me? So we have a public Facebook group, um, and I can give you the link to that. Um, we're we're a lot social media, so unfortunately, this is the day we live in is everything social media. Um, but what I would do is lead you to our private Facebook group. So we have a private group that is only for female veterans. You don't have to live in our valley either to be. You just have to be a female veteran to join in. And what's the name of that Facebook group? Um, it's the Idaho Female Veterans Network. Yep, and there's a public one and a private one. Um, which and it's really cool. So what you'll find on there is just a lot of supportive posts. People ask questions. Hey, I'm just getting discharged. What do I do? Um, just recently, we had bingo night down at the Caldwell Veterans Hall. Um, we got a whole bunch of women together. We had people in our community donated um, gift cards and T-shirts and things like that. They just donated prizes, which was pretty fun. Um, we're still getting out of COVID here, so we don't have a whole lot of membership in the last, you know, since COVID started, but it's been, we've been keeping it pretty open. Um, the vet center here does paint night for us. So there's an artist who comes in and does paint night. Uh, and let me add everything that we do and that we offer is free. There is, if there, so we've, done shooting events axe throwing events um, we do informational seminars where if somebody's interested in going back to college hey what this is what you need to do um, we're just a big resource 
networking resource for women and sorry, I'm kind of all over the place, but there's a lot of um, business owners, women veteran business owners in our group. Um, there's, <laughs> there's one business owner here. She was in Afghanistan. I, let me see if I remember the story, right? Beth, if you're hearing this, I'm sorry. <laughs> She was in Afghanistan and she was in her hooch and she was creating recipes for beer in her hooch. And now she owns Bear Island Brewery. She's got a big, huge brewery here in the Valley. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, just the way, and it's kind of cliche, but our motto is empowered women empower women. And if there's a female veteran struggling we're going to help her. Um, I do have one female veteran who I'd like to talk about in particular. I won't share her name. Um, about two years ago, right before COVID started, got a phone call in the middle of the night of a veteran who was at this local restaurant and she was homeless and she was, she, she was probably in her late fifties, early sixties. Um, I got a phone call from a, from a fellow combat vet who I had known. And he said, hey, he said, I'm talking to this lady, homeless, and it kind of occurred to me that she is a veteran. Can you help her? So immediately called the girls. I said, hey, we've got the situation. We went and we picked her up. We put her in a hotel for a couple of days. We got people to donate a hotel room, um, got her fed, got her bathed, um, got, got her some sleep. And then we were able to meet with her and really just like assess what was going on. Um, she'd been homeless. She um, had some substance abuse problems. Get this, you guys. Come to find out, she was in the Air Force Academy. As an Air Force Academy, um, she was raped while serving on active duty and was not in for very long. Um, had a family. Her family ended up falling apart. Her whole life ended up just falling apart and she just, she just gave up. Um, for her, good for her, she had filed a claim in 1972 when she had first gotten out. And when we went and redid her claim, um, she actually got two and a half million dollars recently. And the military has taken care of her for the rest of her life. Wow. Um, she is okay now. She's gonna be okay. She's gonna continue to be okay. Um, She's got a lot of a lot of things she has to work through, but those are the kinds of things we do. If you're a female veteran and you live in this state and I can get to you or somebody up north or east can get to you, we're going to go and we're going to help you because you deserve that. That is incredible, Erin. I love that. And I want to take a second and kind of go back to a couple things that you said. I've been making notes uh -huh. here. Um, because I want people to listen and understand this. Like you were an addict, you attempted suicide multiple times, you couldn't mm -hmm. hold down a job, you lost your custody of your kids and you had to say enough is enough. And when you made that decision, you were brave enough and strong enough to ask for help and that's, and, and to help others, like you, you helped others first, really, before you really started helping yourself, which I think is so like women, we always help others first, but I just really want to thank you for being brave and for caring about others enough 
to take that huge step because sometimes we don't care for ourselves enough to make that step, but we care for others enough. And that's what you did. And in that, I do hope that you have found your worth and that you are valuable and you are on this earth for a purpose. And I'm, I'm going to get a little woo woo here for a second, but this is kind of what I do. Like besides this podcast is I want to pour into people the fact that a lot of us come from terrible backgrounds, like growing up or we yeah. run into things or in the military and we can't change that. We cannot change that. But we have to make the decision to stop allowing it to control us and to start putting into ourselves and putting into others so that we can live in that purpose. And I just want to thank you so much because this is such an incredible, um, I'm having a brain fart for a word here, example of that. You know, I mean, you were literally at rock bottom you were at rock bottom and you said no. And because you were brave enough to try something new, you have changed not only the trajectory of your life, but thousands of other lives and you're just getting started. I mean, that is incredible. And I just wanna thank you so much for that. Um, you know, I just, I, I hope that people get the story that, you know, healing takes time, but you have to make that first step and you have to make the decision like no more, not, this is not happening anymore. So with that being said, I just want to ask you, and I, this is kind of a raw question. Sorry for my crazy kiddos in the background. Uh, (laughs) And if you don't want to talk about it, or you don't want to answer this question, please feel free to say, not today. Mm-hmm. Um, but since you have made this impact in others and you're obviously pouring into yourself, do you still get that those suicides or those thoughts every once in a while? And how do you like, how do you move forward and how do you combat that? Um, I do. Um, it's, it has definitely been a while. Um, I So on August 11th, I will be celebrating two years sobriety, which... <laughs> I'm so proud of myself for, um, I would say since then there are pretty few and far between. Um, I think maybe in the last year, maybe only one time have I really thought about that. And, and here's something weird. And I've talked to my counselor about this. I got married in December. I got married to an incredibly wonderful man. He is I never in a million years would have got somebody like him because he was just so nice, so put together. Like <laughs> he's not my type. <laughs> um, so uh, when things are going really good and things are, if they go too good too fast, it gets really overwhelming. And that overwhelming can lead to those depressive and suicidal thoughts and beliefs. Um, like I said, it's, it hasn't happened very much, especially over the last two years, but it, it does. Um, and I, that's also a reminder to me that when it does, 
it's time to go to counseling and check in. Cause right now I'm only going to counseling once a month, but she's available. If, if I need her and say, hey, struggling, um, and that's where I had to get, I had to get to the place where I had to say, you know, I have to fight for myself. I have to recognize my own behaviors and know my own behaviors enough to know, okay, like right now I'm going through something pretty stressful with my oldest daughter. Um, I have to pay very extra close attention to myself. Are you sleeping? Are you eating? Are you, you know, doing things that you're supposed to be doing in stressful situations? I've really got to watch myself because I will spiral downhill if I'm not careful. I will. And it sucks. Like I will never not have PTSD. I will never not have this. But it's a matter of managing my life and saying, okay, I can't do this. Or, hey, I'm doing this, but I have to do this. It's just really knowing the steps to take for myself. Thank you so much for sharing. And I wanted, I want to point out the reason that I'm asking isn't just for you, but like for our listeners, because I feel like, you know, when we go through this and we have PTSD and we're dealing with traumas and we go through those phases in life where things are up and everything's going well, that doesn't necessarily mean we don't ever have that depression come back or that anxiety or those suicidal thoughts. And so I just wanted to really reiterate the fact that you can still be getting help and that it's, it, it's probably like an ongoing thing forever that these thoughts may come into your mind. And so it's important to do those things that you're talking about, to identify them and reach out because I feel like just so many of our veterans aren't reaching out or they reach out, but then they don't like, they won't respond when somebody is like, okay, I'm here to help because they've waited too long, you know? So would you have any advice for any of those veterans that are kind of dealing with those thoughts right now? And like, what are the first steps? Where do, where do they need to go or, or try to put in their mind to help fight that until they can get the help, you know, get to a VA center or to get to somebody that can help them? My biggest advice, um, and it's probably it's probably not your standard advice. My, if, if you're struggling to get in to see somebody, say you can't get in there until tomorrow, in the very moment, find somebody to help. Find someone that you can do a favor for. We're, we're soldiers. Our ethos is strong. That is our will to live, is to help other people. That is why we joined the military to begin with. Find If, if you can't get in until tomorrow, find the first person you can to help. I don't care if it's a cat. I don't care if it's a dog. Find someone to help. And then go and get that help. Because I think just relieving ourselves of those symptoms immediately is half the battle. Um, and then and then once you help somebody else, then give yourself permission, which I think at that point we can, right? If we help somebody else, we can then give ourselves permission to help help ourselves. You know, hey, it's okay to take a bath now. It's okay to relax. It's okay to eat. It's okay to sleep. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm not, I'm not going to dog the suicide hotline. I'm really not. But I wish that that's one thing that they would add in there is adding that piece because why do we all join the military? We want to serve. 
that is our that is our schema. That is the 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 core of who we are is that we want to serve other people. So if that is if they know that's the number one thing about us, that should also be in our healing. Help somebody else get through it by helping someone else. I've never heard of Lynn. Have you ever heard that before? Like that's so genius. And I, I really love that point of view. I feel like that's super amazing. Um, especially because we have all served and that brings back one of the main points that we try to um, say on our show is to find a purpose because when you get out the military, you don't know, you know, what to do because usually you have Sergeant so-and-so telling you, this is where you got to go. This is what you do. This is how you dress, blah, blah. And so, and then you know exactly what the mission is when you get out. It's like, okay, now what? So when you find a purpose, and if that purpose is serving others before helping you, that definitely helps you, you know, grow a little bit more and, and allow yourself to seek that help as well. So I get that. I never heard it, but that's pretty awesome. That's just my own, it's my own two cents. Like, that's just my own thoughts. I mean, and, and I'm not saying this is going to work for everybody. So, and I am definitely not a doctor or anything like that. So I just know what has personally worked for me. And when I've given this advice to others, it tends to those immediate symptoms of I'm lost. I don't know what to do. I'm, you know, obviously if you are suicidal, get help immediately. Um, don't mess around with that. Your life is way, way more important than, you know, than helping anybody. You guys get where I'm going with this, but I know for me, those, those symptoms of just feeling defeated and feeling like there's nothing that I'm going to be able to do. And I'm just this giant piece of crap. And yeah, that was just in my own experience was helping other people alleviated those feelings. Well, and that's why you're making such a huge difference because you're speaking from past experiences. You were in the trenches and that is very powerful to hear it from somebody like you. It's just, it's kind of like, you know, when somebody comes in from college and is an officer and they're telling you what to do, like how to do your job as enlisted. And you're like, I don't, you don't know, you know what you're talking about over there, you know, like how about you earn your way sir. So, <laughs> but you know, like you know what you're talking about. So you don't have to be an expert credentially because you were there and you, it's something that you are ongoing with and something that you're continually helping other people with as well. So that's why your opinion is valuable and why it matters. So I just, I hope that you know how valuable and incredible you are and what a difference you're truly making because you decided that enough is enough. And I, I hope that people hear this and understand that they can make the same sort of impact in other people, please. that they can make the other, you know, it doesn't have to be thousands, but if you make an impact with just one person and I'm getting distracted, so I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, I like, it's such a powerful message and everybody is put on this earth for a reason. 
And if you haven't completed that reason, you got to find it. You got to find that purpose. Like what Lynn says, you know, find what, what moves you, what makes you passionate. And that helps you get through the traumatic events and those memories until you can get the help you need. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with getting help. Like we're, we're breaking that stigma, but let's continue to break it and say that everybody on this planet could probably use some therapy. Okay. But especially veterans. Right. And that goes back to also advocating for yourself. So you find your purpose and you advocate for yourself because nobody knows you better than you. Yeah. So if you're not going to get that help for you, who's going to do it? You can't really like, yes, you can reach out to people, but ultimately it's you to take that first step. And that's what you did, Erin. And you did that for many and thousands of women also, which is super amazing. Um, Can you tell us the name again of the nonprofit and how we can find you on Facebook? So it's the Idaho Female Veterans Network. Okay. Awesome. And And then... This, oh, go ahead. I was in Idaho, can I still join that network? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely go and like our Facebook page, our public Facebook page, and then go ahead and join our private one. And you guys can see what we do. Um, I would love for other women to um, other female veterans to, from other states to, to come on and see what it is we do and replicate it. And to, if anybody wants to replicate this in their state, I will help them. Um, if you want to replicate it in your community, you know, if you're, you, you know, if you've got enough community of women and veterans and you feel like this will be good in your community, get a hold of me. I will totally help. I think it's awesome that it's local because like you said, we have a national hotline. We have national, mm-hmm. this, national, that, but where can I go locally to find something? And there's not enough of that for women vet- veterans. And that's amazing that you've done that and targeted, you know, your niche people. Yeah, and if, if any, like, I know you're a nonprofit. So, you know, if anybody wants to help financially or donations, is there something that a place that they can go to get connected that way? Yeah, actually. Um, so on our public Facebook is listed our, um, we have a website too. And our website, you can actually donate directly on our website. Um, I can't, it's Idaho. <laughs> I need to look. Um, this is how out because as I'm on my way out, I'm starting to forget stuff. So hold on. Our website is new and I believe it's Idaho Female Veterans Network. Dot com, I believe. I think we're all looking for it. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm so sorry. I feel... That's okay. It's IdahoFemaleVeterans.com. IdahoFemaleVeterans.com. Okay. Yeah. And we'll post that in the show notes too. So um, people can go there if they want to donate and help in that way. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a donation link. We've got our public Facebook group. And then if you're a female veteran, come and find us, you know, you'll have to answer some questions, you know, standard, you know, Hey, show us who are in the military. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we want to help anybody and everybody. There's a lot of resources. There's always people posting articles about anything that's changed with Congress or anything that's changed, you know, for us that would benefit us um, or families, you know, cause 
you know, we all pretty much have, most of us have families that, you know, right now, um, and this is something I don't think is talked about enough is so, because I struggled so much as a, as a mom, um, with my daughter, I have one girl and three boys, um, because I struggled so much in my own pain and my own, you know, my daughter was, she had to grow up pretty fast and sorry if I cry, um, she had to grow up pretty fast and she experienced her own stuff, you know, because of me, um, very proud of her. She graduated with a 4.0. She went on to university of Utah. Um, and this was all on her own. I mean, she is a badass, and she fought her butt off to become this woman that she is, you know, 20 years old and bought a house. Um, but because she tried so hard, it was trying to have this, this perfect life and get away from this trauma that she had endured right now. She's feeling the, the repercussions of it, of not getting the help when she needed. Um, and now we are currently right now, and I'm sorry that we, we are fighting. We're helping her fight for her life. Um, she is in the hospital. She is, um, not doing very well. And so our kids, our kids suffer and I'm watching it right now, every single day, you know, our kids suffer in our pain. They suffer in our PTSD. They suffer in when we're having those days when we have to be moms, but we're also soldiers who have been incredibly injured. Um, so sorry guys. I, I, I you found my emotional breaking point today. Um, is with our babies. And that was my whole reason for starting this to begin with. I said, if I could prevent one mama, if I could prevent one mom from having to lose her babies and her babies growing up without her, then everything that I've done is worth it. Uh, my kids are single-handedly the most important thing in my entire life. And they have suffered. They have suffered because of this and it sucks. Well, Aaron, and being so real with us, I mean, that I think that's an important aspect to bring up too. Um, I honestly, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people just kind of write things off with kids and be like, well, kids are resilient. Like, like we should just like, you know, throw them in with the wolves. Like, oh, they're resilient. They can get through it. And what we don't think about is that, you know, kids have minds and thoughts and all that stuff too, but they process things as well as we can as adults. And it does come back, right? I mean, I'm dealing with some things myself, like working on my inner child of, of traumas from my childhood. So like, I understand that. And I'm not saying anything bad about your parenting at all. It's just that we definitely need to identify that our children go through these things as well. And, you know, it, they may seem fine as kids, but it does come back. And I, I mean, I applaud you for getting her some help and I'm going to, my prayers are with you guys and with her to get her through this. She's obviously a very strong woman and she comes from good blood. So I have every belief that she will come out on top of this and she's gonna impact thousands and thousands of lives as well. But I know that that road can be really rocky. So, um, you know, if you need anything during this time as well, 
make sure that you're reaching out to Lynn or me and, and we're here to support you in, in however we can and our veteran community as well. But thank you so much thank for you. sharing. Thank you guys. That, that means a lot. Um, yeah. Going through this kind of stuff is you feel pretty alone. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot. Yeah. And, and two, I have to, I have to understand too, that at some point, you know, she is an adult and she has made her own decisions and, you know, just like we all do, we all make our own decisions, but as a mom, that mom guilt is real. Like I know the amount of stuff you went through as a kid. So I'm going to, I'm going to take responsibility for some of this. And how do we not, right? How do we see our own kids suffering and not take that responsibility? Um, but yeah, so thank you. I really, I really appreciate that. It's, it's definitely been a challenging week to say the least <laughs> trying to work <laughs> and my other kids. So yeah, it's, but uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on and allowing we're me so this. Platform. <laughs> we're so happy and thankful that you're able to join us. We know that you're super busy, even with your personal life and professional life, because you do mm -hmm. hold a regular job as well on top of all the other stuff that you do. So thank you so much for your time with that. Um, and also, I want to bring home another point, and that's it. having our community is such a huge deal. What you do with the Women's Idaho Veterans Network, that is a huge deal. Finding your community, finding that purpose, and advocating for yourself. And like I said, I applaud everything that you've done. Your daughter is lucky to have a woman like you advocate for her and she will come up on top. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys so very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Erin, you, you are a gem. We appreciate your time. Does anybody have any um, final thoughts before Lynn closes us out today? So Erin, go ahead and um, plug in your nonprofit and the website and uh, Facebook group again. Okay, it's the Idaho Female Veterans Network. We're on Facebook. Um, and then we have the IdahoFemaleVeteransNetwork.com. You can find our website. All right, awesome. Erin, I hope this blows up like beyond what, like 10 times what it is right now in just the next few days. But Thank you guys so very much. All right, guys. So don't forget to like our Facebook page, which is VTT Throat Punch Mondays. We're also, uh, um, go ahead and check out our veteran trash talk um, shop for all our cool t-shirts and gear. And also our community, VTT official, and reach out to any one of us. And if you're in the Idaho area, go ahead and reach out to Aaron's network. Um, women, remember you are 10% of the 10%. Don't let anyone tell you because you're a woman that your service wasn't as hard or as important. We are your voice and you will be heard. Thanks for tuning in to Throat Punch Mondays. We'll see you next time. Bye. All right, guys. So.